They pop crowd. They pop corn. They pop culture. It's the lowdown. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the latest installment of the Lowdown Popcast. I am the voice of PCW and the voice of Demons Football, your host, Elliot Popston, as I've been dubbed. Elliot Poston, for those of you who won't know me by my government name. And tonight we have a very special edition as we celebrate our freedom, hashtag America. And with me tonight, uh, to my left, is business owner, the eldest brother, father, son, not the Holy Ghost. His name, <laughs> he's my oldest brother, owner of Performance Insurance Agency out of Lexington, South Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Brent Poston. What's up, bro? You. Good man. And uh to my right tonight is the patriarch of our family. He is the owner of Performance Safety Compliance, where you can get all your safety needs when it comes to Federal Motor Carrier DOT regulations. He's the man, the myth, the legend. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Big Daddy Van posting. We call him Grandpa, Granddaddy. What's up, Dad? Or just Daddy. Or just Daddy. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hey. <laughs> Happy Fourth of July, Dad. Happy Fourth of July. Good to be here. <laughs> so, guys, uh, yeah. So I just uh, I wanted to see if uh, kind of just spurred the moment. Told, kind of voluntold my my dad and my. Brother, hey, we're going to do, do an episode of the podcast while we're on vacation. So we are right now, as you can see, the beautiful scenery behind us, sitting up here in Tennessee in the mountains. Smoky Mountain Rain's been playing all day. Uh, Ronnie Millsap, I'm pretty sure he appeared somewhere. We saw bears. That's been interesting. Thought I was going to get eight, um, mainly because uh, brothers was uh, – Nephews, brothers were getting, uh, helping us get groceries out of the car. And uh, my nephew kind of paused in fear for a moment and just said, there it is right there. And that's all he said. And that, then they, they ran into the house and kind of just left me and dad with the back hatch open <laughs> in the tell you right. Uh, excuse me, but I was on the right side of the vehicle. Yeah, but the hatch was still open. I was just hoping you would have blocked me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, uh, listen, the, you don't have to be first when a bear's chasing. You just can't be last. So, uh, but we're all here. We all have our limbs, and we've made it to July 4th. Happy Independence Day. Um, today's a day, a day that many of us celebrate, but uh, it's a day we give thanks and, and remembrance and be thankful for our freedom for the men and women who give their lives for our country, who have given their lives for our country in the past, and 
reason we celebrate is because in 1776, we declared our freedom from uh, Britain. So, them dang colonials. I'm sure the British are angry still. Maybe not. But we're just here to uh, hang out, have some fun. Uh, mainly just want to talk about our family. Uh, Dad, I, I know uh, you have the experience here raising three boys, three handsome, striking, intelligent men. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, but you set the bar high. You know, we uh, have a lot to live up to. And I know as as fathers and stuff, and I, I know we uh I think I think Brent can agree we we to to an extent try to emulate um the examples you set. So tell us uh from your experience I might not want to ask this. I'm gonna ask it. From your experience, what was it like raising us? Well, it was a, a challenge. I'm sorry, but it's not as near as a challenge at raising y'all then as it is trying to raise children today. There's a lot of difference. The times have changed and seasons are all different. And it makes you approach things in a different way today than what you had to do back when I was younger than y'all. So, Brent's the oldest. Uh, Ryan, he's the middle one, and and I'm the 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 say the best for last. I'm the baby. I'm the baby. <laughs> um, he told us not to lie to. You. Well, I mean, listen, people can say what they want, but when you get it right, you don't go any further. Or if you get it wrong, you just stop. <laughs> That's up for debate. But, uh, you know, so knowing that, you know, Brent's a businessman, Ryan's an educator, um, still trying to figure that out. What what are some, like, differences that you, from raising Brent, I mean, we've heard the stories, Brent, and I would agree, Brent probably had it much more rougher than I did. Okay, he did have it much more rougher than I did. <laughs> Um, but what, what's some things that, that even, uh, and I, and I can kind of, I kind of understand already the difference between raising Ellery and raising Asher. Um, like what's some differences that you noticed or learned between parenting Brent, parenting Ryan, parenting myself, what's some things that for you was like, yeah, that's probably not going to work on Elliot. Or, ah, that's probably not work on Ryan. Or, no, that will work on Elliot. Yeah, that didn't work on Brent. Well, I come from a large family, and the guidelines that my dad had was he didn't have one cave at one time, but there was 11 children. Uh, and I was number nine. So uh, we come up as farmers and working and, Things that we did back then, if I had 11 children, I'd probably do some things different too. <laughs> but he set standards high for all of his children, and that's one of the things that we learned. 
my dad wanted things to be right, and uh, it wouldn't take a, uh, any other means of, of, of accomplishing it or, or standards. He wouldn't accept anything other than, than the high standards. And uh, that's kind of where we would be with our boys raised raising them is uh, we, we did have high standards and if they did it wrong they had to do it over they didn't uh, you couldn't allow something to be mediocre in this because if you don't teach them now while they're children and while they're young you won't never have a, a success with them in the future and uh we raised our children in church. We raised our children to believe in God and to put God first, family second. And with those kind of uh, values, you turn to his word and what he says that you should do with your children and with your family and, and that be the, the standard and the guidance that you need to go by. Uh, I have... Uh, Three sons, zero daughters, three daughter-in-laws. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and seven seven grandchildren. And uh, you know, I've never had to go to some places that others have had to go with their children. I've never had to pick one up out of jail. I've never had to go to some of the places, but. One of the things you, you learn about that is uh, some people will say, well, you haven't been through those kind of things. No. Uh, the thing is, is you have to say, thank God that he's kept me from those things, from not having to f fulfill some of those things that uh, others you know, take up in life. But you owe it to the, his standards me and my wife dated five years. We were met in church. And um, after five years, uh, I was 21, and we married. And, uh, October 23rd will be 45 years this year that uh, we've been married. And, again, we owe that to. God and his word and what he says about keeping you and keeping the family being able to determine what does it take to be a successful marriage and be a successful family and I learned in early days of my life uh, Dr. Billy Graham said you have to have act and the word act meant assessment commitment and trust Assessment is measuring up things and uh, being able to give not 50%, but 100%. Uh, commitment, being committed to the person you love and the person you're living with. And trust, being able to trust them to honor you and to uh, honor what you stand for and what you do in life can trust them with everything you got. And those are the three ingredients it takes to make uh, a 
family work. Well, uh, guys, that's been the podcast <laughs> right here. Um, man, I didn't know that you and mom dated for five years. I guess I just always thought that y'all met and just, hey, let's get married. <laughs> I just never knew that. Uh, well, so Brent's the oldest. Brent, uh, Brent, you're, uh, you've been married to Nancy how long? Eighteen years. Wow. Eight, oh, 18 this month. Oh, happy anniversary, buddy. So I remember when you met Nancy, um, and yet y'all have y'all have a blended family. You've got Casey and Thomas, two stepsons. Um, Casey's married um to Trinity. You have two uh, grandkids. Um, tell us uh, you know, uh, talk to us about what it's like to be in that blended family aspect, uh, you know, some of the things that you took maybe from from dad uh, uh, and mom, and maybe some things that you had to kind of learn on your own and say, "Hey, this is kind of what I, this is how this is how this fits our family." Like, what's some what's some pointers you can get to someone who um, maybe is in that same role that you are as a as a stepdad? Well, I think the one of the biggest things with us is. A lot of the things that were early on that in, in church and things of that nature that we had been taught uh, from Nancy's mom, sending her, bringing her to church, us being brought up in church. But we had standards that we expected to be upheld regardless of others around us. And, you know, a lot of those were biblical base one being simple that is how you treat people you know, respect and um, and we didn't accept any different it that was the parameter and that was how it was going to be uh, because if you lowered the standard and this goes back to what daddy was t- how he taught us when you lowered that standard you were accepting that to be mediocre and, um, you know, Daddy told me one time that this is me paraphrasing what I got out of it is, you know, we often say that I'm not, I'm only human, I'm, I'm not perfect. But what happens is we tend to use that as a crutch to get out of things. Yeah. And um, in my industry, especially dealing with a lot of the trucking stuff that we do, if you allow that to be a crutch and saying, I'm human, I'm not perfect, as a way to make mistakes, those mistakes can be costly. And so, you know, when you use that same philosophy in your family, you build by saying, hey, these are our standards, and these standards we're not going to straddle the fence on. Right. Um, was it challenging at times? Most certainly. You know, um, Nancy and I coming up on 18 years. Was there arguments at times? Most certainly. Yeah. Um, but I also believe that if anyone's honest in marriage, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, 
I used to tell people, and I still tell people, and uh, that there's going to always be problems. It's how you get to the end and solve the problem. It's the that's the final answer. And um, same with parenting. You know, you you raise children. I know for a fact that, and I laugh and joke about it today. I know Daddy had to be hard on me because I was the <laughs> challenge. And uh, but at the same time. Uh, today, you know, I can look back and be thankful the way he was with me because I mean, Lord, it, Lord knows where I would have been at if he, uh, if he wouldn't have put his thumbs well, down on me. You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, we got cousins and stuff that, yeah, <laughs> that you know, at one, one point in time, spent the night in the house, stayed with us for, and, and everything, and they <laughs> – all of them say the same thing. Ella, you ain't never get no beaten. Beaten, and my my response has always been, "Listen, I saw Brent get in trouble enough. I just took what I had to take from it." But what what we do know is that you're a very very successful businessman. Um, I've wondered if entrepreneurship kind of runs in our family. Dad, Daddy's got a successful business. Uh, Daddy worked for the man for what thirty something years before you started your own business. Thirty five years. Um, started uh, just working the dock. Went went through dispatch, truck driving, all that before you uh, became a supervisor and eventually opened up your own uh, company, consulting. So my dad's been in transportation tra- transportation industry for what fifty plus years now. 50-something years. Um, my brother has, a, I think, a really cool success story, um, how he started his business. And I share it with people um, from time to time uh, when talking about starting up a business and people wondering or saying, hey, I don't have the money. Uh, you want to share share that about uh, how you started your business? Sure. Hey, he started his business. By me going in the room one day and telling him, <laughs> you got one week to make your decision. You go to school, you go in and get a job, <laughs> or I'm gonna be driving that truck <laughs> and I'm making papers on it. Yeah. And he made a decision, went into the insurance industry, and from there it materialized and grew. The um. So, you know, to sum up that question earlier before I get into that, is having a set of standards on raising your family, our standards were biblical-based standards yeah. to a large degree on and morals that we held true to and still hold true to today. Uh, and now it's funny because, you know, I watch Casey and Trinity and some of those things that Casey does and you can tell he's – yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you, you, you used to argue with me about that, and now look at you with, yeah. with y'all. But, um, but rolling over into the, the business side of things, we, you know, because I was that hard-headed, stubborn uh, teenager, and that rolled into me in a good way when it came to the business side. 
Um, and whenever I got my insurance license, what people had to realize is while Daddy told me that I had two options because he wasn't going to allow me as a teenager graduating from high school, sitting around there doing nothing and him working and, and, uh, and me not giving any effort. Um, and so when I got the insurance license, there was a, a large road ahead of me that really I didn't know, obviously, then. Um, and uh, I really didn't make any money for years because the I didn't have the proper training. You know, I was young. People, uh, I hate to say it this way, but people would try, to, try to take advantage yeah. and step on you and things like that. But because I believed in what I was doing for people, I wasn't willing to give up. Right. And, uh, you know, and then I wound up in 2004. <clears throat> uh, I literally walked away from anything I had. And uh, I had my $200 in my name. But because I was, I had strategized, I had planned, and I had a good name behind me. Um, and that was another thing that Dad taught us coming up was that your name is, and a person's name is, that's their name. That's what they have to, to stand on. And um, if you are a person that is noticeable or, or noticed in your life as one who's untruthful and uh, dishonest and things like that, that's going to follow you. And I didn't have to worry about those things yeah. uh, because it wasn't who I was. And um, so we took that $200 and, I paid my down payment on my professional liability insurance, and I paid for my agency license. And um, didn't know where the next check was going to come from. I had individuals that let me. I didn't even have good enough credit to go to a credit union and borrow two thousand dollars. And uh, eat it, credit unions. <laughs> <laughs> but won't he do it? But. Uh, <laughs> But because of my name, I was able to go to a person I had met that said I reminded him of himself. And he wrote me a check of a sum of money and offered to give me three and a half times that. And I told him no. And, uh, you know, I paid him back his money. He never required me to uh, pay monthly payments. He said, I just trust you. You'll pay me when you get it. And uh, then Ma and Daddy knew someone that gave him a sum of money. It was like 1700 bucks. I used that to pay for buy my computer. And uh, the other money was my lease payment first month and my down payment on my, my facility at the time. And then I had to hit the pavement. And I worked from daylight in the morning till midnight. Uh, Nancy come in and she would uh, help me. And then four months after I started the company, she got laid off from her job. We were engaged. and uh, So it was sink or swim. But one thing I knew is that if I dug my heels in and did right by the people, 
I would be successful. And uh, I did a thing one time around with my office staff some time ago. And it was a little questionnaire. And um, they really didn't know what I was doing with it, but it, it was, they would answer it and it would give a, I had a number sheet that I had done it on myself before I passed it to them and had mine. And what it did is it was grading them in as where if they were servant minded or not. Because see, dealing with the people, it's about having a servant mind being there to help people. Doesn't necessarily mean that you won't get told no and that things but it tells us and so that was me. I wanted to help people. I dug my heels in. I kept <clears throat> going, and uh, and the business started coming in. During and as we've grown over the years, you know, we went in 2008. We bought our property. 2013, we built the office on the property. And so stayed little by little, in five year increments, etc. And our life has grown. Uh, we're extremely busy. Um, and even in the course of that, as, you know, as I try to structure things, it's, okay, I know I'm going to have to one day help take care of not only our my, my immediate family, but my father-in-law uh, who lives with us today. Uh, mom and dad helping with them if, as they get older. And that's just the things that we know that we may – may be faced with right but you got a whole area of life that's in between of adversities that could come up that you have to prepare for and how you get through them and I tell people the one thing that keeps me sane through it all is my faith and while that's hard for people to understand I will also tell people that in today's society, you hear and see things going on. But the experience that you have in your faith can never be taken away from, by anyone. Right. And so your personal experience you have in your relationship with God and the things that you experience that can't, can't be changed, you know. We often joke now because of the, the challenges and the, the way I was as a teenager and adventurous, if you will, uh, the different things that challenged me, the you know, injuries and things like that. But yet today, I mean, I'm, I'm still fortunate. I don't have uh, health problems, and we continue to grow our business. COVID happened. Um, we chose not to shut down because we believed that <clears throat> it, we were needed by our clients. Our clients yeah. need us. <clears throat> you know, even though we don't like it, houses still catch on fire, for example. If I wasn't going to be there for them or my staff couldn't be there for them, um, that was going to be a challenge to my clients. Now, we did have things that we did 
for two weeks to, to try to work around some things. And then we had to make some decisions. And my decisions was that we would take care of the people. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I had some from a, from a not political, but from a, a legal aspect, if you will, from a business standpoint, I had to make some calls and uh, do some things that I make sure I were do, was doing things right in, in, in those aspects. But from a faith aspect, you know, we there was an army of people one day trying to figure out who was going to take on Goliath, for example. Yeah, Everybody was scared of him. But then there was one that said, hey, you know what? Y'all might be scared of him, but I'm not scared of him. I'll challenge him. I can beat him. And so while we had to look at things, because, you know, I got COVID twice. Well, you know, I was about to touch on that uh, because, you know, Dad ended up getting COVID too. It ended up getting pretty bad. But you ran, I'm going to say randomly, randomly had it in July. And whenever Dad got sick, you were the only one that could go down and see him because you'd already had it. And at that time, if you'd had it, they said, hey, you're good. So myself, our family, uh, our other brother Ryan, his family, mom, dad, all of them got it. Dad ended up in the hospital. and But you were able to go down and be with mom and uh, keep us updated with dad. And I'll never forget what um, what dad told you. And it was, hey, uh, and I, I shared this. This really helped my faith. Pray specific. You told us, um, or the message that was relayed from Brent to us was, hey, Dad said, when you pray, pray specifically. Um, and and Brent, as the oldest, uh, led us in multiple things of prayer. Um, our church families rallied uh, behind us and around us, and um, every day just seemed to get better. Dad would... Uh, Answer finally answered text, and then then he uh, would turn the FaceTime on. You couldn't see him, but you could hear him, and he would talk. And uh, well, here he is. Uh, what two years later now? Almost three. Almost three years later, and um, you know, thank God that uh, he's still here and stuff. But um, yeah. So, well, you know, when we. I was having to make the decisions on, on the business and, and we come up to that. When I remember it, it was New Year's Day. Because I had barbecued a hog. I was down at Merlesdale at me and Nancy. And I remember sitting on the side of the bed. Nancy was in the room. And I started crying. And I said, you know, I'm sitting here struggling because of all the stuff we had heard about through the media and everything. And granted, there's been others that have been affected even worse. And, you know, hearts and prayers go out to the families that went through things as well. Um, But I remember looking at her and I said, I should not be struggling like this when it comes to taking care of my parents. Yeah. I said, I've already had it. 
and I made it through it. I'm the best candidate. And all I could hear in my spirit was, go, you're a warrior, you need to go. Yeah. New Year's. And I remember it because I moved out of an apartment with it. And so um, I told Nancy, and she says, go. You need to go. You are the best one. You've already had it. You've already been through it. And so I went down there, and you know, Daddy was sick. I don't know if everybody knows it, but I think he was in the emergency room for like 20, what, 26 20, hours. Yeah, it was day, uh, every day, that. yeah. And um, and I remember things starting to line. line. There was a lady that um, I saw in there. I think her some child or husband was in there, and and I remember telling her, I said, look, I'm wanting you to know I'm praying for you, your, your situation with, with your husband. He was sick. Daddy was in the hospital. Mom got sick that week. Mm-hmm. Um, but her COVID test was coming back negative. But I think we're – personally, I'm pretty uh, confident she I'm there with you. Yeah, no. But, but, but the – and so the – you know, we – this is where your faith comes in – when all seems to be lost and all hope seems to be gone, mm-hmm. the part people didn't might not necessarily know that was going on with me is I was in the back bedroom that was all of our bedrooms at one time. And I would read my Bible while I was, Daddy was in the hospital. And one thing we kept hearing about during sickness, and look, while we're talking about COVID, this happens with people just that that have sickness going on. Right. And, and you know, there may be a time that we're faced with sickness and we don't get the outcome that we got. So we, we're thankful well, of what we got. It goes back to, you know, something I've always shared is God can, but that doesn't mean God will. And, and so I got a prayer chain going. And, uh, Mr. Dick Brown called me, and he was checking on Daddy. And um, but the other thing, uh, people, you were hearing these stories of where the hospitals at that time were locked down; you couldn't go in there. Well, <clears throat> so every morning I got up and would take Daddy something, a change of clothes, go buy Starbucks, grab him a coffee or a pastry, whatever. Somebody asked me, well, if he's so sick, and I said, you don't get it. It ain't about him eating it. It's about him knowing that I was there. Right. That's good. It's about, you see, because that's where my faith in the way Brent's brain thinks. The Holy Spirit has a way of letting me know that he's there in the midst whenever I'm not. Maybe I'm down. Maybe I got something going on. But he has a way, and and. And if we were made in his image, why shouldn't we think the same way? Yeah. So I said, hey, he's my dad. I'm going to let him know to hold on, keep pushing, don't give up. Because I saw what he was like. Because I'm the one that took him and mom to the hospital. And then mom falls at the hospital, trips. Because she was so tired, she didn't see the curve. Nobody 
you know, that, those are things, those are the real things that I was trying to deal with because nobody could be around during right. COVID, you know. And um, I remember when I called y'all, if you remember, I called you and Ryan. I said, look, I need to call this family to prayer for our dad. Yeah. And um, because I felt like that was what needed to be done. And uh, and I remember Mom saying that Daddy had had um, a message or said that he wasn't, obviously we knew he wasn't doing good, but he wasn't doing good. Had the worst night. And then um, I remember going and I was going to take him a change, like some T-shirts and underclothes. Well, didn't find no doggone white T-shirts in the house. I couldn't find one white T-shirt and all the T-shirts that he's got, okay? So and, I said, and they have to be V-neck because he don't like anything yep. around his throat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so here I am looking, couldn't find So I, I took him what I had, got it. I said, well, I reckon we'll do T-shirts tomorrow, <laughs> you know? I go back home, and I needed to bring him a couple because I was trying to – I find one T-shirt. And this is where um, – for those that don't know us, while we thought that it was strict when Daddy was raising us, uh, not only from a you know a personal standpoint and in correcting our behaviors and things like that, but also bringing us up the way he did in the church. This is where what he, how he raised us, stuck, because. I found that one T-shirt. I knew the shape he was in, and I called Mr. Dick Brown because where the Bible says to her, more gather, and right. so forth. But it also talked about anointing cloths. And we anointed that shirt, and we prayed over it. And I packed it in a bag to go the next day, and I put his Bible with it. And... Uh, some other things. And I went by a store. I can't remember. It might have been a Dollar General. Found some V-neck white T-shirts. And I bought for them and dropped them off that morning. <clears throat> Mom knew nothing about what I was doing in that bedroom. Praying over that. And the reason I know is because the next day, well, when I dropped them off, Daddy te- texted me and told, him, told me he put the shirt on. And I had a very specific, you talk about specific, specific prayer that I prayed that night. <clears throat> and, that it, and, you know, it was that it would be a shield to his lungs. And it was very specific. I had lots of Bible scriptures pulled out. Well, Mom gets a text the next morning from Daddy that said that he had had the best night's rest since he had been up there. And if I remember right, Daddy, wasn't that the same day you came home? Or was it the next day? I can't remember, but... It was the next day. Because when I went in the hospital with COVID, uh, Dr. Fasadi Safe was my pulmonary doctor for for years. And uh, when I got COVID and 
went to the hospital. Everybody was wearing these kind. Of, I'd call them hazmat suits, where you couldn't you couldn't really tell who they were. And I was. They started running those uh, COVID tests and, and then running those. Uh, call them the uh, COVID vaccine. Yeah. They started putting that in me in the hall because I'd done been there 21 hours. And uh, I was waiting on a room. And they finally a room come open. And uh, that morning, the next day, really, Dr. Safe come by and I couldn't tell was but he knew how strong I had been over the years and how my health had been was in good condition and he walked by and he said uh, Mr. Poston I looked up at him I couldn't hardly get my eyes open I was so sick he said doctor safe and I said hey doc he said I promise you I'll get you out of here alive that's all I could Dr. Safe is a God-fearing, Bible-believing young man. And uh, to me, he's one of the best doctors there is. Uh, what you have to understand is uh, a lot of people don't want know and can't comprehend on what figuring God out and you don't figure God out because you can't put God in a box box him in he does what he wants to when he wants to how he wants to through who he, who he wants to and uh, when he chooses to go in a direction then that person that he's choosing that allows him and he works through him Sometimes things can come in very unusual ways. Uh, and I, I learned through my sickness for reasons that I had uh, other other problems. Back when I was, I was in trucking, started in trucking at 19 years old, and I went and drove tractor trailers for seven years and went into management eight years with Southeastern Freight Lines and then I went to the director of transportation with IGA Foods for 16 years, and after 31 years of trucking, seven of that driving and the rest of it managing people. Then I went into the uh, work with IGA Foods, which was managing people. And when I changed uh, jobs from uh, IGA, Naturally, I was on. I, I was out of insurance when I left that job. I left by, by faith. I'd made two companies a lot of money, and I said it's time to make me some. Yeah. <laughs> and so and and those uh. You know, you took out Cobra Insurance as a transition of being able to get your own insurance, and in the process of that, I was in. I ended up in the hospital no insurance and it was about oh, yeah, I November yep. and uh, my wife we were we'd always try to 
spend a lot and give a lot during the Christmas season. It was time for her to spend uh, uh, that money, and she could spend it. <laughs> uh, she might be watching this. She oh, she watch is. Out. That's all right. <laughs> and, uh, but it, she did really well. She does. She done a lot to help a lot of people. But anyway, we were in. I was in the hospital, and she was trying to figure out. You know, do I no insurance? Do I spend this money or do I save it for the bill? Yeah, do I save it for the bill? And I told her to spend the money. And I got home from uh, the hospital. There was a bill waiting on me of $10,193. And uh, I couldn't understand it. There's a bill. And uh, that, w- that, w- that went to the house before I ever got got home. And I went to... Uh, there was one person come by my room with a yellow legal pad, a black gentleman, uh, upstanding, nice, polite. And he just... Wrote some things down in his manual, little notebook. Spoke just a few words, and uh, when I got home, I got another bill from the hospital, and it said paid in full. And to this day, we don't know who uh, who paid that hospital bill or how it come about, but. That goes to show you if you do right, and regardless of what you feel like, if you do right, the outcome will be right. And you know, she she spent the money to help other people and to give people uh, approximately ten thousand some dollars, and it all come back. But that was just a act of faith, knowing that what God has done in the past, if you want to know what God does, then look at what he's done in the past because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever he's done in the past, he'll do in the future. Well, and, uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of it is also um, the motivation of your heart. You know, you and mom, y'all give not to expect anything from God, but y'all give out of the kindness and the generosity of your heart, and um, that's a that's a big a big uh, I think a big part of it is that y'all give uh, selflessly and not expecting anything in return, and God blesses you guys because of the generosity on your heart. So I think. Um, uh, before we continue, guys, uh, we'd like to thank a Day Soul Coffee Lab out of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, y'all head over to the website, www.daysoulcoffeelab.co, and enter promo code LOWDOWN for 10% off of your order. They have a subscription option where they'll deliver coffee directly to you every month, so head on over there. Um, Bert actually went to school with my brother. Bert's the owner of Day Soul Coffee Lab. And, uh, yep, you remember Bert? Bert Davis. Yep. So, uh, yeah, head on over. Use the promo code Lowdown. 
uh, get 10% off your. So that what's a, uh, all right. So how would you describe like me, Brent, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> you y'all, know, y'all too, y'all are totally different. Y'all. No, and that's what, so that, that and that's kind of what I'm getting to you. Like what's a, uh, like what are what were some differences that from from the father's point of view that you noticed between Brent, uh, Ryan, myself, um, and do you like notice them in our in our kids that you might want to give us some pointers on? <laughs> I mean, well, Brent was uh, more the rebellious one. Though. Brent mentioned he was adventurous earlier, and he yes, was, he was older. He uh, you know, he shot. Bow and arrows from the top of the building tried to catch him like Mr. Yeah, Miyagi. Yeah, got on my building and shot BB guns to it, one another, which ain't the right thing to do. No, don't do that, kids. Uh, <laughs> but Brent was uh, the oldest. He was probably the most stubborn, but he was the most sneaky to get around. Now, Ryan, on the other hand, was kind of level-headed, deep thinker, and sometimes he puts too much thought in his thinking. Not that he gets it wrong all the time, but he puts a a lot in in his – when he goes about to look at something, it ain't just A and B. It's A, B, C, D, and E. Very detailed. Yeah, detailed. And – we go put a screwdriver and twist that thing to the right to tighten it, but he's going to talk about the metal that the screwdriver's <laughs> made out of and what the screw is and, and, and everything about it and, and how much power it'll have after you get it. But, and he just... But look at it this way. He can, fix, he can fix almost anything. He can fix a lot of things. And he won't try and take the entire frame off of a door. To fix the handle, Willie. See, here's the thing. Here's the way I figured it out. By the time I I could mess up one time and go back another time and have it right. By the time you went through A, B, C, and D, That's true. I mean, I, you know, so I couldn't help it. The latch wasn't working, and but I wasn't gonna be stuck right there at that door. We, something was gonna have to get up. But yeah, and then. You know, Elliot, and there's me. He come up uh, as the youngest son. That's his Went home. two years up at North Greenville and come back to Francis Marion and stayed there. I don't know three three more years, five years, something like that, and got five years total. Got his degree, and uh, he's more of a outspoken and he don't care what people think <laughs> he just he's out there outgoing if it's alright okay if it, ain't, if it ain't alright okay as long as he feels good about it so all that matters I've gotten better yeah. alright <laughs> and um, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. Brent's more now is a, is a planner and looks at things that outcome and uh, Ryan's educator he's you 
in leadership and does a good job at his leadership and his leadership skills. He's, he thinks about the outcome of what the decision he's going to make before he makes that decision. And that's one thing is causes good leadership. Well, it's also allowed him to be successful. He's uh, this is the second big, pretty big school that he's been a principal of. So, yeah, you remember uh, was it Christmas time, Daddy, when you uh, you had put the you did a research on what our names meant? Oh yeah, yeah. Was that back at Christmas time when you did yeah. that? No, he's, that was Easter. Easter, Easter. Yeah. And, uh, I can't remember everything, but I remember the re- the reality was that. The meaning of our names, how it paired with our personalities today, um, and uh, people used to name people by those kind of things. And when you look at what your name is and what the meaning of it, it can very well go with your character and personality. And I'd say the, you know, on what you were asking, Daddy, you know, speaking from me being just the oldest brother. That, I'll be honest, I used to, I was definitely the oldest brother to him. I would uh, pick to on them and torture them and everything. Teach us every MMA stuff. move you can think of. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but with me, for example, you know, I was working as far as basic stuff early, you know, from tobacco fields, helping granddaddy, the yard work, and, uh, you know, Daddy wouldn't let us. If we streaked the yard, you didn't get to go just run over that streak. You redid the yard. I mean, you, um, you know, just like when he got that first, I think if I remember right, he was the first uh, employee at the Florence Terminal for Southeastern Freight Lines to get their Quality of Achievement Award. And uh, you know, so what he was instilling us is do things right. But where I'm going is that I worked, and me. I did not like school. Mom and Daddy knew that I did not like school. Um, and I would try to be respectful to teachers and stuff because I knew it was what I was supposed to do, but I, I knew I'd get in trouble if I didn't. But they, right. when I got into my teenage years, uh, you know, things became more challenging. I, I played sports as, as y'all did. And, um, and yet some of the things that was expected – for example, me, English, I could put the commas and the punctuation and marks and stuff in, and we were taught all that in school. And my gosh, today, you look at these texts and the grammar and stuff that's used and emojis. I don't even know what half the things mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm like, what in the world I learned all this stuff for? Because I wasn't good at the literature. But now today, because I learned the grammar part yeah. of it, I can break an insurance policy down where there's actually courses that people go to near about to uh, almost like a college class that they're going to. And I never did that. You know, I've got 20 plus years of experience on that, but because of my, the way I was taught and well with my grammar side. And whereas when I got out of school, the reason daddy had to give me that option for that, the week that I had to make a choice is because nothing was going to get done if I didn't make a choice. Right. 
But the one thing that I knew is I hated school and I wasn't going. I took the SAT and I actually did pretty good on that stuff. I took it one time because I was told I had to take it. Same. And, you know, whereas Ryan, you know, if I remember right, I think Ryan graduated high school with honors, then graduated from Francis Marion with honors and went on to get his master's degree and so forth. And um, whereas with me, math came fairly easy, you know, later. I wasn't a speed person. I I would – Take it took me a little bit, but it but I could do it, and um, so I was the one that had to study. Ryan, it just came to that would be aggravating to me as as being the older brother. Like gosh, to mighty, he get it just rolls right through. So like for me, it's funny you say that because like the only reason I graduated with political science (laughs) was because of the oh well, if he can graduate with political science, by God, I can graduate with political (laughs) science. Um, that was the, I guess that was the competitive nature <laughs> as a brother was, uh, I originally was going to school for sports management. I loved sports, wanted to try and do something with it. Transferred, uh, schools, went to France, Marion, had to pick a degree. I said, political science, uh, maybe I can coach football one day. Well, <laughs> that didn't happen. So well, the, with me, I want to be a veterinarian. Yeah, I can see that. But. When I found out it was like eight years of school, nope. I said, nope, I don't want it that bad. And, you know, but it just goes to show you that when you have certain things that throughout life that have maybe been prayed over you, the upbringing and the different things that have occurred in your life, with me, I would have deemed myself uh, more of a shy person in school because I wasn't, I didn't bother nobody. I kept was a loner. my mouth shut, you know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> some disagreement over there. <laughs> well, I didn't do stuff in the school to be disruptive, right? And um, outside of school instead, yeah, <laughs> but but the. The, th- the whole thing with that is I knew that school wasn't for me. But look at the industry that I wound up getting into that says, hey, Brent, you've got to open your mouth. And I literally had people say that one – I had two people. One told me that I would not be successful because I was too honest with people. And the other one said that I wouldn't be successful because I wasn't talking to people. There was some truth in that. I had to change my the the way I was doing things. <clears throat> but today, because of where I'm at in life and in, in society, talking is not really a, an issue. You know, I've done seminars for different things yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> It ain't quite. I ain't quite got to where you're at with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, so, uh, that's no problem. But if you don't, uh, whether some of it was a confidence thing, or or what, because I really confidence, you know, there were certain things that I, I was good. I knew I could work. You know, many people knew me back from high school. Knew I could. I ran. You know, 
played basketball, and I, I did the, the things that we as teenagers that play sports and stuff are common for. <clears throat> um, but that the mentality of me being stubborn, if you will, drove a fact in me of not quitting, you know, as well. I wasn't going to give up, which is probably why I was so hard-headed and stubborn because when I had the mischievous mind, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was one time when you're a teenager or a kid and you know you want to do something and you know it's going to cause you to get your tail in trouble from, you know, whether parents use a belt or a switch or whatever. <clears throat> but I literally went up into the closet and hid the belt <laughs> before I did the – because <laughs> – because mom and dad was at home at work, and, and I knew it was going to get me in trouble. By handcuffing your brother to the bed? Well, you know. Just don't, don't tell. You tell them, you, you'll get it worse the next time. True yeah. story. And, uh, <clears throat> Happened to me. But I will say, whether you and Ryan admit it or not, nobody would bother y'all when y'all were around me. And, no, no so, and, and it's funny because I was, I was actually going to make a point of that, that you know, as much as me, you, and Ryan as different as we are, and as much as we fought and argued and everything else, um, now nah, we had each other's backs. Now there's there's eight years between us, so obviously a ten year old ain't gonna fight an eight year old's fight. But nevertheless, you know, it's one of those things that you know everything there's everything in a name, right? So me growing up. Guys, you may have went to school with, but you had already moved. Um, I encounter, I find, I realize, hey, they went to school with Brent. Hey, you know, you know Brent? Yeah, I know Brent. That's my brother. Oh, okay, you cool then? Yep, that's all I need to know, guys. <laughs> um, but also, um, the other thing I was going to say was, <sighs> I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something else, but go ahead. Well, just you got to remember. Oh, I, just I befriended <clears throat> most everybody. Same. And so I really didn't have any enemies. Um, I wasn't one to uh, be around there picking and just poking fun of people. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, you know this, I got bullied a lot in school. <clears throat> you know that. Um, and I think that's what <laughs> Daddy said. Daddy mentioned that I'm the one that's outspoken and just don't care. I think that has a lot to do with it, um, honestly, because for so long in school, I got bullied, I got picked on and everything, that when I finally just graduated, I was like, you know what, I just don't care anymore. Uh, somewhere there came a point in my life where I just said, you know what, think what you think, I don't care. Um, now, it doesn't mean I'm a butthole. I try not to be, at least. Um, but as far as, like, opinions... Hey, if you have one, that's great. I just don't care. Um, you know, it, and it, I don't mean that in a bad way. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, you know, but at the end of the day, you're, you're, my opinion doesn't affect you. Your opinion doesn't affect me. You know, let's just keep it moving. Um, we can all get along and, and uh, disagree. And I think that's that's something that, society struggles with the day is that they believe that, Hey, for you to love me, you have to agree. With, you have to agree with me. And it's like, nah, we can completely love each other and have a friendship and completely disagree on everything. And that's okay. And, um, 
you know, love isn't acceptance. Love is just, hey, I love you for who you are. Look at it this way. Uh, you know, I'm big on using myself as an example. I've done it in different classes. I do it in insurance meetings. Mom and Daddy loved us and still love us. But when they disagreed with something, they were the parents. Yep. They set the standards, and it was their rules. And if they disagreed and what I had done was bad enough, then I'd get my tail tore up. But because a standard was set early on in my life, I knew that was a risk that I would have to take. Um, I'll be honest. Granddaddy told me, um, we were talking some time ago, Granddaddy Tom and Granddaddy Claire, in all my life, never had to cut my behind. Spank me for anything. No, me neither. And I, because we knew we'd get in trouble if 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 Mom or Daddy would have found out that our grandparents had to get on up. Listen, and and be, but we knew our parents well enough to know where they stood and the standard and what they expected of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Today, what we have in society, and, and I'm going to blame a lot of this on social media and different things that goes on out there, is you find that people believe that it's okay to say what they want to say when they want to say it. Yeah. And I had some clients come in my office one time, all upset, and uh, it was something that's simple that could be easily fixed but I did not agree with the actions that they took towards my staff because it was an intimidating action like slamming your hand down on the desk and stuff like that so <clears throat> next time they come into my come to the office I call them back in my office and went ahead and addressed that behavior and they had their reading us and and had their statement and I said well I believe in what the book of James says and sometimes we need to bridle our tongue because just because we feel like we should say something and just because we want to let our feelings and or opinion be known it's not always the wise thing to do. Oh, Paul talks about that too. And so that's where we have to, as we get older, we have to learn to get smarter and wiser on how we approach it, which goes back to what I said earlier about we're always going to have problems. We're always going to have disagreements. But how you come to the resolution yeah. is what's important. Can you do that without falling apart, breaking things apart. <clears throat> and these folks are still clients of mine today. And they under, under, had a better understanding of where, did they necessarily like it? No. But it's simple. Everyone deserves to be 
that we're looking respect. And if you show respect and and give respect, it should be given back. Doesn't mean you're going to be on the same page agreement wise. There's times where people in my industry want claims to be paid that just can't aren't going to be paid. Um, I tell people insurance policies does not cover 100 percent of everything. Yeah. Um, and if you've been told that, then you've been lied to. It just it's not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> so that's the way I look at things and what we we do. And, and so a lot of what's got me where I'm at today, really, besides our hard work that Nancy and I've put into the, the office, is also the upbringing that I had that. And it's probably too that part that says when, when when Daddy would make us redo stuff when it wasn't right. Because now, if I second guess what an underwriter says, for example, or something of that nature, I'm that person that will challenge it. Yeah. Um, I want an, a, a reasonable and valid explanation. Don't give me it. Well, it's just because because that's not gonna work. No, me. I I can relate. I um recently uh have went to <laughs> I recently brought it up to one of our VPs that when it comes to uh the pay in our company, uh, they don't let us know what our pay rate is. And I uh I brought it up to the VP, one of the VPs, and said, "Hey, you know, pay with pay transparency laws coming out." I need to know what my pay range is because I don't know what to work toward. You know, what salary range am I working toward? You know, am I pretty much capped out where I'm at? Um, is there a possibility for, because I'm being told when it comes to my pay grade, there's no possibility of them changing the pay grade and moving the pay grade up. So I need to know what to work toward uh, salary range wise, or if I need to start looking for a new position. Cause I'm good at what I do, but there's nowhere to move up. But if I can continue to move up in salary here, then I'm okay staying here. But if I'm not going to be moving up in salary, then I need to look at possibly trying to get somewhere else in the company. Um, and I've heard my team members talk about that continuously time and time again, but they're all It seems like the majority of them are afraid to say anything because of the possibility of backlash uh, so but going back to what you know you mentioned how daddy would make us uh redo everything not just fix this one little thing but um kind of to really teach us a lesson to hey do it right the first time pay attention to detail. and pay attention to the detail um but uh yeah so let me Tell you from a boss's standpoint on how I would do that. One, you know, we don't give out pay sheets, and um, here's me and Daddy. Actually, Daddy, me and you talked a little bit about this not long ago or something. <clears throat> There's a parable given in the Bible where basically a, a man is working for a farmer. If I remember right. And he'd get, he agreed to work for a farmer for X amount of dollars or his wages. But then somebody else got upset 
who also agreed to work for a different wage. If I memorize Jesus speaking in this parable, and he says, did I not pay you what we agreed on? Then we, then I did what I told you I would do. <clears throat> so the way I look at it is, at the end of the day, if a sum of money is get is offered and a person says, yes, I'll work for you for that amount of money, that's what's been agreed on, and it's that company's job to do that, and it's the person's job to do the work that's required to earn that money. Going back to my faith, that's a biblical principle. It was taught in a parable. If I agree to work and sell an insurance product that I'm only going to make 10% commission on, for example, as a company, then that's a, I agree by contract that that's what we'll accept. Okay. And so what I do is we don't, we still try to position for pay raises and things like that. Now, the company you work for is a, a larger company. Well, and also structured completely and, different. And I would say uh, look for position that, that strategically places you in a better position to earn higher wages. Well, yes. So, and that's something that it's already being done. However, at the same time, um, there should be pay transparency. I'm all for it. And the reason I'm for that is because of the simple fact, listen, I don't, I'm not asking to know somebody else's. I just need to know for me, hey, based on my pay grade, if my pay grade is a seven and then, and you know, I'm in this region, you know, this is my position as a global company. You should be able to look at that and say, hey, your pay range is X amount, we'll say 50000 to 80000 or 60000 to 90000 or whatever. Um, just to give people an idea of, hey, yeah, you're capping out. Or, nah, you still got, uh, you still got a good ways to go. Um, because, and I say that because we have people who've been there for 30 years that have been doing the same job for 30 years. And it's just one of those things that I know up until recently, they were not on the same pay grade that I was now in today's society, it's much easier to get a pay raise going to a new company than it is to get a pay raise staying with the same company. That's just the reality of it. It stinks, but the majority of corporations nowadays does not care about and does not honor loyalty. And, you know, that's just where we're at in society. It, it stinks, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. Yes, the best way for me to move up or anyone to move up in in pay increase is to find a new position or find a new company. So so that depends on the industry you're in. I'll right. Give, I'll give you an example. I've, I've got a 
software company that I know the owner of, very well established and they do very well. And they it's in the gaming industry. They literally build computer games. Some of some go into like casino type stuff and some and in that industry, because the I'm gonna call them engineers, the people that are developing these games and writing the programs for them, basically get bored very easily without the challenge. So they're having to change these games like every 90 days. Or turnover is high. Yeah. But they get paid very well. <clears throat> so the industry also has to do with the loyalty piece because in the insurance and financial services industry, loyalty is very highly esteemed. Um, <clears throat> you got your vacations and all those things, your tenure, your pay raising. But what happens, for example, how profitable does one of your colleagues make your company versus you? They might have been there but for 30 years, but if they're not doing as good of a job at helping the company become profitable yeah. and they're looking at just themselves and their pay versus what they're doing for the company, then they haven't established the servant piece like they need to be talk- that I talked about earlier. So you got to look at it from the company and what you're doing for that company so that it can then also be centered to trickle down to you. You know, one of the things we've done recently that we're um, we've implemented a software and now we're trying to start positioning in it is so that I can run. There's five things I'll be looking at on each employee, and that's their daily work flows, their activities each day, their their production that they're taking care of, so that I can actually run a report based on each employee's activities, and those activities lead to profitability. And I can see, you know, if this person's taking an average time to do an endorsement of two hours and somebody else is doing it 30 minutes, for example, those are things that you have to look at from a company owner. Um, So when you're wanting that pay raise, you also got to say, what am I doing for the company? How profitable am I helping them to become? Because if you're making them hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and by the time they back in their expenses off of that and you pay and the pay you're wanting, is it still a reasonable profit for them that can be justified? And that has to be looked at on a per-employee basis as well to some degree. Um, And when you do that, then it'll give you a better understanding because at the end of the day, if, if you follow... You know, the transparency piece is the way the grades work. In my industry, you basically you got like a, a producer, which is a salesperson, and you have an account manager. That's your two primary. Then you have accounting people and stuff like like Nancy does accounting. Uh, and then I own it, but I'm also classed as a producer. So account managers, you know, producers are big. Producers are typically, in my the way I structure mine, is commission. Account managers are hourly or salary. But that account manager that's managing a million-dollar book of business is going to get paid more than the account manager managing a $300,000 book of business. Right. One of the things you have to realize if you're going <coughs> to 
have a standard is the book of Proverbs says, whatsoever your hand find it to do, do it with all your might. And that's one of the things that you go about, regardless of what you go about doing. You put your whole heart, mind, and soul into it and do it the best of your, your ability. And then the outcome will be fruitful. Yeah, the days of loyalty in our generation is not where it used to be. You know, I've never asked for a raise in my 65 years of living, but uh, I've been committed and loyal, and that's where I was able to achieve and accomplish and uh, get moved up in positions. And it means a lot when you're trying to get someone within your company to do that. Try to find out how faithful and how loyal of an employee I have. And you know, everybody's not going to be faithful to the next or loyal, but it's not about them. It's about what you are. How are you doing it? It's not about the company or the rest of them. What is, are you where you should be? Are you got a place in life? Is this where God would have you to be today? And are you fulfilling that in the workplace or wherever it's at? There is a place that, that a person should be in life. And we're all victims beyond our circumstances. We didn't choose to be some of the things. We don't choose to go through some of the things we go through. You know, we don't choose to be in places sometimes that we have to be, but sometimes we're victims beyond our circumstances. There's a reason for it. And some of those uh, things, they say, you know, iron tried in the fire becomes steel. And those things that we face in life is just a stepping stone uh, to achieve and get higher. And whenever uh, you get to the end of it, you'll usually you don't see the outcome until it's the end of it. Then you look back can understand why God did what he did the reason and the way he chose about doing it because it affects you know not just your life but it affects so many other people's lives and uh, that's how you have to face and approach it that even though it's affecting me it's affecting a whole lot of people around me and you you can't be selfish and, and wanting the will of God to be done in your life because the will of God might take you through some unusual circumstances. But you got to be uh, loyal to him and be faithful and have faith that regardless of the outcome, it's going to be right because you have faith in him. Not in a church, not in a building, a personal relationship with the God that created the universe. And knowing that you can talk to him and have a relationship with him. And that's not being religious. That's just being truthful. You know, that he is someone that you can approach that understands us better than we understand ourselves. And if you go through life like that depending on him and trusting him that whatever you do 
he's ahead of you. David said, if I make my bed in hell, he is there. You can't go anywhere that the presence of God's not. Already been and is not still there. Uh, and we can look around us and we can feel and sense and the move and presence of the Creator. And you've got to open up your heart and mind and say, I know, I, I believe in God, whatever is taking place in my life there's a reason for it and it'll all be right in the end and that's the only thing that matters we came into this world without anything we're going to leave this world without anything and that's the only thing that matters how are we when we leave this world remember remember this when you look at my timeline I was in the insurance business for seven years before I opened up my own company. During that seven years, I never hit $24,000 in a year. But I didn't stop and fold in the industry. Yeah. You know, I, I went up going on my own, still with the mindset of doing right for the people but I went out on my own because I had been taken advantage of in a sense and now here I am today and I'll be honest there's a big there was a big company that called me two weeks after I opened up my own company in 2004 and I had interviewed with them two times or three might have been three times and then six months it went by, and then they called me wanting to hire me. And at the time, Nancy had not been laid off from her job, and I called her. I said, uh, I remember I had just signed a lease two weeks, and they offered me a sum of money that was greater than anything I'd ever made. And uh, I said, what do you want me to do? And she said, well, you've already sunk your heels in, signed a lease, got everything set up. You just need to go for it and tell them you, you'll be their competition because you have to gladly decline the offer since they, you didn't hear from them. Those people today, I still, every once in a blue moon, still chat with them, still respect them. Uh, they do a good job, to my knowledge, on stuff that they do and handle. But the timing wasn't right. Yeah. And now here we are today. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's. I tell people, you know, you talked about serving earlier. I tell people, uh, I'm not a salesman by any means. Um, if I'm trying to sell something to someone, I'm not selling a product. I'll I'll sell me. I can sell me all day. Um, but by by that I mean, hey, I'm I'm here to build a relationship with you, uh, and if if you trust me, then you'll trust what I'm trying to, uh, you'll, if you trust the person, you'll trust the product if they're trying to pitch a product. So, man, it's been fun. Uh, one hour, 28 minutes in, not too bad. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in everyone. Uh, 
as we're on family vacation on this July 4th. Uh, remember, head over to daysoulcoffeelab.co. Use promo code LOWDOWN to get 10% off. Um, also, uh, you can catch me July 14th at Broaden Vine in Camden, South Carolina. July 15th at Palmetto Chipship Wrestling in Camden, South Carolina. And July 27th at Steeplechase in Camden, South Carolina. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in as always. This has been the Lowdown Popcast, not with my brother Brent, my dad Van, and I am your host, Elliot Poston. As always, thank you, and let's keep it popping.